Thanks for tuning into this week's message. For more resources and information about Cedar Valley, please visit cvchurch.org. Romans chapter 1, if you have your Bibles, open to Romans chapter 1. We're continuing our series in the book of Romans. We're just preaching through. We're making really good ground because we're our fourth week in and we might almost get done with chapter 1. So I think that'll be really good. And so when you have that Romans chapter 1, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. And I say this, and I explain this all the time. You know this if you're a regular here. We always stand during the primary reading of our word, and just, just for this pure reason, is that uh, we just do it symbolically. It's purely symbolic to us that we say, hey, this is us recognizing. This isn't, isn't just a book written by some fellows, right? This is the word of God. I believe God has a word for us today. And, and so we're going to see this. Romans chapter 1, go to verse 18. And follow along as I read. Verse 18. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he's made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. And through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the time this morning to spend in your word. We trust in Holy Spirit that you will speak to us. And when I say that, Father, I'm praying that you'll speak to each individual. What is it you want them to hear? We, we need you to speak to them, Holy Spirit, as only you can. And then, Father, we pray, do it in a way that glorifies you, that draws us to you, that reveals the Savior to us, that reveals your very character and your nature, that this would just be a continuation of our worship this morning. So we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Well, let me, let me start this morning. Uh, by just saying this, I just want you to imagine in your head for just a second, you're about to go on a road trip and you're really excited and it's a vacation and you're taking off and, and you're excited to take this road trip, but you're going to put in a lot of miles. And so you think to yourself, hey, before I take all these miles, before I go on this long road trip, I'm going to take my car to my mechanic, have my mechanic look over the car because I'd like to head off any problems. And your mechanic looks in the engine and your mechanic sees a few things and says, oh man, that belt's wearing a little thin or this is a more significant problem with the car. Your, your, your mechanic hoists the car up, right? And, and walks underneath the car and looks at your tires. And the mechanic says, ooh man, the tires are a little thin. So here's the deal. Your mechanic knows that there are some issues going on. But the problem is your mechanic doesn't want to be the deliverer of bad news. They don't want to be the bearer of bad news. And so your mechanic just looks at you and proudly says, right? <laughs> They don't want to give the bad news. This could cost you some money, and they don't want to do it. Let's say that it's not your mechanic. Let's say that it's not your car. Let's say that you, and if by chance you're single, that's fine, but you sit down with your financial advisor, and you're thinking, either I want to start a retirement plan, I've had one going for a little while, or it's getting close to my retirement time, and we want to sit down with a financial advisor and figure out, like, where are we? And so your your financial advisor pulls out a portfolio, looks at some of your investments, some form of an IRA, a 401k, a 403b, and they're looking at it. And, and your, investor, your, your financial advisor is thinking to themselves, this isn't good. And they got some money in some real bad places, and, and they're just losing money. But I don't want to be the bearer of bad news. I don't want to deliver bad news. I want them to still like me. And so your financial advisor just says, hey, thumbs up. It's all good. Everything's good. And they send you on your way. And maybe it's not your mechanic, and maybe it's not your financial advisor. Maybe this time it's your medical doctor. And so you go into your medical doctor, and it's an annual physical. And they're pulling out a stethoscope, and they're listening to everything, and they're tapping on stuff, and they're having you follow stuff with your eyes. And then you get all done, and they, they walk in, and they're sucking blood out of you, and they're 
they're going to run a blood profile. And, and your MD says, hey, just hold on a minute. We'll do this one really quick. And they pull up your blood profile, and you're sitting there, and they look at it, and they're looking at enzyme levels, and they know there's something up. They know there's something up with your health. But they don't want to be the bearer of bad news. They don't want to say anything. And so they say, it's all good, and they send you on your way. Like if they were to do that with your mechanic, I don't know if there's a mechanical malpractice, there's fiduciary or financial malpractice, there's medical malpractice. Okay, in the same way, if we don't talk about that kind of stuff in the church, that is spiritual malpractice. It is pastoral malpractice. That there are things that we talk about from time to time where, hey, this isn't going to make us feel all warm and fuzzy. And, and so today we're going to talk about one of those things. But what I will tell you is this. I think if you hang in there, if you, if you just stay with it, whether you're in the room or whether you're online, good morning online people, uh, I, I think you're going to find this cause for celebration this morning. That from time to time, we need to talk about these things. We have to talk about these things in the church. And we're going to see actually why it's a good thing. Because otherwise, we're going to be down the road, and we're going to be broken down, and it's going to ruin our vacation. Or we're going to be 85 years old, and we're going to be delivering pizzas late at night. Right? Or, or we're going to be all of a sudden out of nowhere some illness or some heart attack. Right? We need to talk about these things. So look at verse 18 in your passage, if you would. This is the Apostle Paul talking to us again. And he says, but God shows his anger from, uh, uh, from heaven against all sinful and wicked people. Now let me just clarify really quick. The sinful and wicked people. Wicked is sometimes translated as unrighteous. In other words, they have not been made right with God. How are we made right with God? Through faith in Christ, when we confess our sins, when we say, Jesus, I confess my sins and I'm sorry for my sins, and I'm asking you to come in and take over my life. Give me the strength to to follow you now and to live my life according to you. It's Christ is Lord. It's not just like a happy experience, a quick prayer, right? That's what he's talking about. He says God's anger is against all these sinful, wicked, the people who have not yet been made right with God. And the word here that we need to look at is anger. It is anger. It is very oftentimes translated the wrath, the wrath of God. Now, listen, we don't talk a lot about the wrath. I I have to be really honest and just confess this to you. I don't remember the last time I preached about the anger of the wrath of God. Like, we don't like to talk about that. And as soon as you start talking about it, the people, oh, here we go, the angry God. and, And the reality is this, is God grace? Yes. Is God love? Yes. Kindness, patience, mercy, long-suffering. That's a part of the picture. Absolutely, 100%. But we have to look at this wrath piece, at this anger piece. It's absolutely, whether we like it or not, it's 100% a part of the scriptures. Look what the scriptures writers say through the prophet Jeremiah. Look, the Lord's anger, that's the wrath. The outbursts, uh, the, uh, the, uh, bursts out like a storm, a driving wind that swirls down on the heads of the, the wicked, the unrighteous. It's right there in the scriptures for us. We know this, that, that uh, in Israel's history, one of history, uh, Israel's greatest all-time arch enemies, their uh, uh, rivals, I don't, I don't know if they say rivals, but certainly an arch enemy was the Edomites. The Edomites were Canaanites. They lived in the land of Canaan when Israel reentered the land. And the Edomites were always trying to keep them down and were always stomping on them. We know that Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylonia. And when the Babylonians came in and invaded Israel, they destroyed the temple. They took exiles out back to Babylon. The Edomites were there supporting it. And they were all right along with it. And they were very, they were very just mean-spirited to the nation of Israel. And through the prophet Ezekiel, God spoke and he says, Therefore says the sovereign Lord, I will raise my fist of judgment against Edom. 
I will wipe out its people and animals with the sword. I will make a wasteland of everything from Taman to Deden. It, it, it's there. It's in the scriptures. It's part of God's character. It's part of God's nature. And what I'm saying is, if you hang in there with me, if you stick in there with me this morning, if you're, if you're online, don't turn it off, right? If you hang in there, I believe you're going to see at the end why it is that we're glad and why we actually celebrate it, not in some sick, demented kind of way, why we're glad and why we celebrate it. So let's look first so that we understand anger. You need to understand anger or wrath as it's laid out in the scriptures from the Greek, from the original. It's the Greek word orge, and it means this. Now, now get a load of the definition. It means a properly settled anger. It implies that this is not a sudden outburst. Right? Rather, it is fixed, it is controlled. It's actually a passionate feeling specifically against sin. It's an anger that is exhibited in punishment. Now, we always want to think in our mindset, and we want to think about human anger and human just rage, right? And so normally you slam your finger in the car door and you scream some expletive and just anger. It's just wrath. Or you get into an argument with somebody and you snap and you just lose it and it's anger right? Very different. Human anger, very different than the God's anger, than the wrath of God. We know with human anger, the writer of James chapter 1, James at the very end says that human anger doesn't achieve the righteousness that God desires. Human anger, human wrath, and God's anger are very different. And so this morning, there's a few things that we really need to understand about wrath and about anger. And like I said, at the end, you'll see why, why we may very well celebrate this. Here's the first thing that you need to understand about God's wrath. God's wrath is specifically because God is a just God. Remember this, it's controlled, it's fixed against sin, and we know that the scriptures are very clear that God is a just God. Again, in the Old Testament, Isaiah the prophet says, Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you, therefore he will rise up to show you compassion. Why? Because the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. Look, God's justice is tied to God's love for us. The God is a just God. Now, now let me just ask you a question. Just think about this. You walk into a courtroom, and you're going to be there all week long. You sit in a courtroom, and you watch case after case after case over the course of a week. You watch case after case after case come before this judge. Some of them are not a big deal, but some of the cases that you see come before this judge are horrific, heinous, atrocious crimes, terrible things done by people, just, just things that you just can't even imagine. You can't fathom them. And you watch case after case as the judge says, eh, I'm all right with it. Go ahead, go ahead. How many of you would be happy with that? How many of you think that that's a good judge? How many of you think that you're seeing justice prevail? How many of you deep down feel like, wait a minute, those people ought to receive some punishment? Don't we? Okay, God is a good God, and he's just. And God's wrath is anger specifically against sin, exhibited specifically in punishment. It's punishment of sin. And so sometimes we hear anger or we hear wrath and we think, that just sounds like a terrible thing. But deep down, we want our God to be a God of justice. God's wrath is specifically because of God's justice, because God is a just God. Number two, though, it's that God's wrath is because God is holy. 
God is a holy God. And so because of that, there is God's wrath. Now, I was listening to somebody, and I had to stop and rewind the tape, and I had to type this down. I was listening to somebody preach a couple weeks ago, and uh, I, I wrote this down. This was their statement. This is exactly what he said. Here's what he said. Here is where I want to get at, he said. God is not a control freak. God's not sitting up in heaven trying to control everything we do so that we don't do something that offends him. It's not that, it's not that the, the reason that God doesn't like sin isn't because it offends him, it's because of what it does to us. Now, l- let me just respond to that. First of all, in the first part of his statement, I would 100% agree. God is not a control freak. Control freaks are obsessed with being in control because they are acutely aware that they are not in control, that they are not sovereign. God has no misgivings about who's in control. Watch what God says again through the prophet Isaiah. Remember the things that I have done in the past, God is speaking. For I alone am God. I am God. There is none like me. Only I can tell you the future before it even happens. Everything I plan will come to pass, for I do whatever I wish. God is not confused about who's in control. God, God knows that he's in control, and he's, and he's absolutely sovereign. And so God is not a control freak for that reason. So the first part of what this guy said, I 100% agree with. But the second part of what he said was that God's not so concerned about offending him. He's more concerned about what it does to us. And I would say that's a very egocentric view of God. It's a very egocentric view of sin. Yeah, sin harms us, but it absolutely does offend God and specifically offends his holiness. Now watch what Peter says. The Holy Spirit speaking through Peter says, so you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways, the ways that you used to live before you were made right with God, before you confess sin, before you surrender your lives. Don't go back to those old ways where you were just living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better back then. But now, he says, you must must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, God speaking, you must be holy because I'm holy. Do you notice this? Holiness for followers of Christ is not an option. It's a command. And so when we disobey that, that's called sin. And sin is an offense to the holiness of God. And so, yes, God's wrath is because God is just. And God's wrath is also because God is absolutely 100% holy. But there's a third idea that I want you to get. And it's this. The God's wrath is very different than God's discipline. And we should understand that. You should absolutely 100% know this, that God loves those, he, he disciplines those he loves. If you're a child of God, you can expect this. If you step out of line, you'll be disciplined. We know that from the scripture writers where the Proverbs tell us, my child, don't reject the Lord's, there it is. Don't reject the discipline. And don't be upset when he, God, corrects you. For the Lord corrects those he loves, and here's the metaphor, just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. And I'll say it the way that Jack Rich used to say it. I'm not raising knuckleheads. That's what my father would say. And then we get disciplined, right? Our Heavenly Father doesn't want us to be spiritual knuckleheads. And he does know that sin harms us, sin harms us, and so he steps in. If you're a child of God, you should expect discipline anytime you step out of line. You should just know that. But discipline and God's anger and God's wrath are very different things. Now, the scripture also says this. Paul, again, and later in Romans we'll see this. 
But because you are stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin, you refuse. You've not been made right with God. You've not confessed sin, right? You're storing up terrible punishment. That's the wrath. That's the anger for yourself. For a day of anger, wrath, is coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Right? We're told that in the scriptures. We're, we're already told that in the scriptures. Now, here's what I also want you to know. That if you are a child of God, if you have been made right with God, again, you will absolutely experience discipline when it's appropriate, but you will not experience the wrath of God. You should know that. There's no wrath, there's no judgment, and we know that from the scriptures as well. And again, this is Paul, and he says, and since we've been made right in God's sight, confess sin, invite Christ into our lives, we're seeking to live a life that pleases God. He says, You'll, by, the, by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from condemnation. Once you've surrendered your life to Christ, there is no wrath, there is no anger, there is discipline, and that's very different. Okay, now go back to where we started. Look at verse 18 again. God shows his anger from heaven against all the sinful and wicked people, people who are not righteous, they've not been made right with God. People who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Like, sinful behavior is just so innate in us because of our old sinful nature, and we're so pulled to that. And when we behave in sin, when we act in wickedness, we actually suppress the truth of God. That's a really interesting thought. We suppress the truth in God. Now, he goes on, and he says, those people who do that, they know the truth about God. And I thought to myself, how do the evil, how do the wicked, those who have not been made right, now listen, I, I still mess up. I think we're all aware of that, right? I still sin, and I know the difference. And I'm like, well, that's because I've been made right with God. How would other people know? They, the way they, it says they know the truth about God because God has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. The writer Paul is saying God makes himself obvious. He makes himself known that we can look at creation and see. He goes on and he says, through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Now, here's what I'll say, because this will bring up a whole host of questions. If you're wired like me, man, this brings up a whole host of questions. What about, what about, what were you thinking? What about, what about people who live in parts of the world where they've never heard the name of Jesus? I have no idea. I have no idea how that works. What I know is he tells in the scripture that God has made himself known to them. And we also know this from the scripture because Jeremiah tells us this. If you look for me, God speaking wholeheartedly, you will find me. Now, I, I don't know the answer is the answer. I know this. I know we send a lot of money to parts of the world where they've never heard the name of Jesus. And we're going to keep doing that. And we send missionaries to places where they've never heard the name of Jesus. And God in his grace and his mercy, I don't know how he resolves that. But I do know this, God is continually making his, uh, himself known. And it says that he makes himself obvious. The people would see like, there's a God. There's got to be a form of a God. Right? So here's what we know about God's wrath. God's wrath is, is because God is just. We know that God's wrath is because God is holy. We know that God's wrath is very different than God's discipline. Here's the kicker. God's wrath is satisfied in Jesus. And this I hope we, we just glom on to. That the wrath of God, the anger of God, the punishment of God, there is a hell and it's real. 
and it awaits those who've never been made right, which for those of us who have been made right with Christ, we've got to be grateful, but we've got to be more than grateful. We've got to be busy because there are plenty of people who don't know that, who've never made that decision, right? That God's wrath is satisfied in Jesus. Now, again, Paul speaking later in Romans, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. We weren't made right with God yet. And God sent Jesus anyway. And then he continues in verse 9 again and says, And since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. If you're not a church person, if you don't typically go to church, maybe you're here in the room or maybe you're online, we say these words in the church all the time and you're like, I wonder what that means. I don't really get that. I don't know what that means. And one of those words that you'll hear a lot of times that church folks use is the word saved. And we just throw it out there like everybody understands what it means. And this is literally what saved means. It means those who've been made right with Christ right with God through Christ. They've confessed sin. They've invited Christ into their life. By the power of the Holy Spirit, they're they're desiring and their intent is to live a life that's pleasing to God. We have been saved from the condemnation. We have been saved from the reality of eternal wrath, of eternal separation from God. All of that through Christ. And how does that happen? Just by faith. It's happened just by faith. Right? Now, go back to Paul's verse 18. Look at your text again. We've read this a couple of times now. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. And the word that stands out there to me the most, believe it or not, is the word but. Because you don't, you don't say, I don't, I don't run into you on the street and say, hey, but good morning. I wouldn't use the word but. But means there was something that I said before that, and now it's a response to that. I'm speaking in relationship to what I had previously said. Now, let me ask you, if I show of hands, if I tell you, hey, there's some good news and some bad news. How many people typically want the bad news first? Okay, that's me. I'm with you. I want to know the bad news and I want to be able to deal with it. Here's what Paul did. Paul gave us the good news first. And now today we see the bad news. See, the bad news is there is God's wrath and there is God's anger and there is God's punishment for those who don't don't come into relationship with Christ, who aren't made right with Christ by confessing their sin and inviting Christ into their life, right? But Paul previously gave us the good news. And you know what's cool about the good news when you see the good news? You understand why the bad news is so bad. And when you see the bad news, now you realize why the good news is so good. So I'll go back to verse 17 from last week. After we saw what the bad news is, this good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. And I'll say this again, the church can't make you right with God. And rituals can't make you right with God. And doing some action can't make you right with God. And you can't earn your way into being right with God. You can't be smart enough to be right with God. And you can't be rich enough to be right with God. And you didn't go to the right school and get right with God. You're made right with God by faith. When you place your faith in Christ, when you trust in Christ to save you, which means you confess your sin, you invite Christ into your life, and your intent and your desires to live the rest of your life led by the Holy Spirit, living a life that is pleasing to God, right? We saw the bad news today. Last week, we saw the good news. And when you see the bad news, the good news looks all the better. Like, well, why is this so bad? Why is this so bad? Or if you see the good news, why is this so good? Because the bad news is so bad. 
So let me give you the big so what. If you're new around here, at the end of the message, we always give the big so what. This is the big idea. This is, this is the intent. This is what I want you to walk home with. That the wrath of God highlights the goodness of God. The wrath of God makes us celebrate the goodness of God because we recognize what he saved us from. It didn't cost us anything in terms of financially. We didn't have to study for a test. And it's available to everybody. If you're in this room, it's available to you. If you're online this morning, it's available to you. It's available to everybody. Being made right with God absolutely causes you to be saved, we always say, from the wrath of God. That's the good news. Today we saw the bad news, which now tells us why the good news is so good. And it's free. It's completely free. And so what do we do then? Because we have the big so what. what. What's the big now what? So like, what do, what do we do with this? Well, I'm speaking specifically if you've been made right with God, right? If you haven't, don't, don't worry. I'm gonna give you a chance in a second. I'm gonna explain that to you a little more. But the big now what is simply this. Celebrate the goodness of God. Doesn't you just wanna make you celebrate? Like, wow, all of humankind is destined for the wrath of God. And then God, at just the right time, sent his own son, the greatest sacrifice, sent his own son and said, I want you folks to be right with me. I want us to be right. And so all of the wrath of God was satisfied on the cross of Christ. And now we come along later, we confess sins and we invite Christ into our life. We say, Jesus, have your way. That, that's it. I mean, I, I think the only response is we just celebrate the goodness of God. We're gonna do that in just a second, but let's pray first. So Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for your, your goodness. And God, when we see your wrath, it makes us realize how good your goodness is. I thank you that your goodness is free, that it's by grace that we we're saved, that it's by your kindness, that it's just something you give us, God. And, and, and if, you're, if you've been made right with Christ right now, would you just, just in your own heart begin to thank God for his goodness? It's the goodness of God, it's the goodness of God, it's the goodness of God that we're saved by grace through faith. And so Father, this morning we say thank you. We say thank you, God. We say thank you for what you've saved us from, for the manner in which you saved us.